Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. is in here. Beautiful goal. Walcott! What a goal! It's been flicked in by Alexis Sanchez. A quality goal from the Gunners. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Wednesday the 28th of December. I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on this week's show, Aaron Ramsey talks about the day he was handed the Wales captaincy. We also celebrate a legendary club captain's birthday in this week's history lesson. Adrian Clark is back with another dose of the chalkboard. We kick off by looking back at our Boxing Day matchup with our Arsenal Insider. Let's hear from another Arsenal Insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Arsenal would have expected a pretty routine victory you'd have thought on Boxing Day at Emirates Stadium, but they were left largely frustrated by a resolute West Bromwich Albion defence. And boy, did the Gunners leave it late. But obviously with Chelsea currently leading 2-0, home to Bournemouth then, they will very much be in the driving seat. In comes the cross, it's towards Giroud. The header! Yes! Loops in! Olivier Giroud with just four minutes remaining with a looping header that went over Ben Foster. The cross came in from the right and it just crept under the crossbar. The breakthrough has come. It may well have been late, but Giroud, Arsene Wenger kept him on the bench and that's what he can do. Yeah, he's been proved right, Arsene Wenger. Oh, what a vital and well-received goal that was by the home faithful. Delighted to say that top broadcaster and big Arsenal fan Michael McMullen joins us from Ireland for our Arsenal Insider perspective on that game and much more. Uh, Happy New Year impending to you, my friend, and uh, what a vital goal that was and a vital win. Yeah, I mean, after the two defeats in the Northwest, you know, which I think a bit too much was made of in, in some quarters, but nevertheless, you know, you look then at that next run of fixtures that we have before that Chelsea game in a few weeks' time and think, Really not much margin for error there. Can't afford to drop many points in those games at all if we're to stay in this title race uh, to any extent. And you look at the first of those games is at home against you know a mid-table side. You think it's kind of getting to the stage where it's a must-win game now. And then only three minutes to go, it looks like it's going to be a not-win game. And you're thinking really now, particularly with Chelsea coasting the same day, uh, it's kind of slipping away. But uh, great to see Giroud come up with the goods again. And so encouraging that we're seeing that a few times now this season. Rather than games just ebbing away from us, we are finding late winners. Obviously, Old Trafford was one example. This was another one now. And uh, I'm such a big fan of Giroud. I love seeing him get goals like that. And it really was classic Giroud uh, to get the winner. And hopefully now that's the sort of moment that you think might kickstart 
a decent run now over these next few reasonable sort of fixtures that we have. Yeah, absolutely. As you just alluded to there, chances at first team level and starts a little bit few and far between for Giroud mm-hmm. this season. Um, let's get his thoughts on how important the goal and the win were. Uh, it, it has been a big uh, relievement, you know, because we uh, we pushed, we pushed till the end, you know, we uh, kept uh, believing our game. And uh, yeah, we it's a it's a big finish, you know, amazing, and uh, it's nice for for us because uh, we always try to uh, find uh, the good solution, you know, and uh, we've been a bit unlucky, but uh, thanks God we succeed to put it in at the end. Foster uh, played very well today, you know. Uh, I told him it was a good save on my on my first one and. Uh, yeah, I've been a bit uh, lucky. I could uh, put uh, put it uh, above him. It was a bit um, too much forward, and uh, yeah, it was a very good cross from Mesut, and I tried to finish the the job. But I will, uh, I will, um, I, I would like to say that uh, today we are we were very strong all together. You know, a good. Uh, strong mentality, and uh, it was very important to win today. And uh, we are, we have shown one more time a nice, uh, a big uh, mental strength. Yeah, at home you you have to win, you know, and uh, uh, even more after two um, disappointing results. So obviously, yeah, it was a very, uh, as I told you, it was a very important game for us, and uh, we really wanted, we really needed these three points, and uh, a job done today, even if it was very hard. But West Brom played very well, and uh, six at the back, three midfield. I never give up, but uh, wow, we succeed to to uh, to score, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a big relief, man. That's all. Well, that's Olivier Giroud speaking to us post match, and yeah, you look at the statistics, Michael. What seven in his last five in all competitions when he gets his chance on the back of a decent scoring rate over his Arsenal career, he is, I think, by some underestimated. I, I totally agree, and, and you know what? I think he's thriving a little bit at times this season on being less the focus in terms of getting goals. I mean, this season we're thinking more of Sanchez as the man who's getting the goals. And I think that's taken a little bit of the heat off Giroud, and I think he's responded quite well to that. And just in terms of the overall result, you know, I was thinking after the game, Ross, if Chelsea had done exactly the same thing against Bournemouth the same day, people would be saying, oh, that's the real mark of champions, isn't it? They ground it out, they hung in there, it wasn't going their way, but they got the late winner. And everyone would have been saying how wonderful they were for Arsenal don't seem to get the same credit for situations like that. But it, it did show a lot of character. And, um, you know, chance now to build on that in the coming games. Um, and great to see Giroud coming in like that. I think that is his role now. And I think he likes the fact that that's his role in the team. And, OK, obviously he'd love to be starting every week and, you know, getting goals like Sanchez is. But if he can be, you know, an important um, sort of you know, contributor in situations like that, you know, whether it's coming off the bench or, in this case, starting, uh, you know, he can still make a valuable contribution to Arsenal with the uh, all the challenges ahead now over the second half of the season. And it's a good point you make, actually, because when Chelsea did narrowly beat West Brom a few weeks ago, that's exactly what was said in fairly yeah. similar fashion. So, yeah, I completely mm. agree with you there. Let's just quickly hear Arsene Wenger's thoughts on Giroud and also his relationship with him and how that's evolved in recent times. I think we have a honest... Uh, relationship. I have a big respect for him and uh, <coughs> he knows that uh, you know it, uh, he uh, was not always uh, playing and uh, despite that he kept uh, 
uh, strong motivation level. Our job, when you're a football player, you have to be always ready. That's part of the job. When you're selected, it's fantastic. When you're not selected, <coughs> you have to be ready. And the players who are always ready, when you get that chance, they are there. And the players who feel sorry for themselves, they get that chance and they give you one more reason to justify why you didn't select them. And uh, the fighters are always ready. The boss there. And what will also be interesting here, Michael, is do we now look at more often Giroud getting the starts and playing back in his old position, if you like, and Sanchez switching back to his old role in advanced midfield? Or has the Chilean done enough to, to still be that frontline striker to start down the middle regularly? I think that's worked so well throughout the first half of the season. I think that would be Wenger's preferred option. I mean, put it this way, you know, I don't think he'd want too many afternoons like the one he had on Boxing Day with all that tension <laughs> and it not quite going to plan. So I don't think it's getting to that stage yet. But of course, you know, it being Arsenal, you know there are going to be injuries uh, throughout the second half of the season in plentiful supply. And it's good to have that option of shuffling the pack a bit and bringing Giroud in. You know, that can be important, you know, when you're battling Premier League, Champions League, potentially FA Cup run as well. Um, so I don't think it's getting to the stage uh, on the back of that that there's going to be any sort of great change in Wenger's plan A. But as, as we know, he does like to mix things up and change things around. Uh, it's been reasonable consistency in the team recently and it resulted in a fairly good run. But it's good to know that when things do need to be changed a bit, it can still be effective. And uh, I mean, Giroud, he's always going to be uh, the sort of player who can get you a goal in the manner of the one uh, that he scored the other day. You know, when we need to revert to that sort of style of trying to get one late in the game. So good to have options, important to have options, particularly, as I say, when it's Arsenal and you just know the injuries are going to keep piling up in the second half of the season. Now, Jack Wilshere, of course, as we well know, away on loan. We'll come back to that with Bournemouth in a moment. Santi Cathola out injured for at least another few weeks. Um, is there an argument to maybe tweak things in central midfield to try and break teams down? Because this has been a problem for Arsenal at times. Do you bring in someone like an Aaron Ramsey from the start? You might lose a little bit defensively, but might gain a bit mm. in terms of creativity. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know if Wenger is going to be making massive changes. I think up to a couple of weeks ago, everything was going quite well. And yeah, you're talking about breaking down teams and maybe there's a bit of a struggle to do that against the Everton game, which you and I watched together, of course. And, uh, and perhaps against Manchester City as well. But Wenger's always going to change it, isn't he? I mean, he never really sticks with the same midfield for very long. Even when he keeps the same players in midfield, he tends to move them around a bit. I think he's very good at adapting to the, to the situation in terms of the opposition and what needs to be done against them. So, listen, as we've discussed before in this very podcast, I'm a big fan of Ramsey. And, um, you know, he'll be, I think, you know, an important contributor throughout the second half of the season. But... Is he going to be, you know, where he was a few years ago, focal point and starting on a regular basis and starting almost every game? I, I don't see that happening with him, actually. But I think that's a very good sign when you've got a player as good as Aaron Ramsey. But you've got so many other good midfield options. And I think we just have so, so many now that, uh, that you don't actually see him as, as a regular starter. Let's just take stock at this cusp of the year and the new one upon us. So sitting as Arsenal are inside the top four and what? Within striking distance of Chelsea, let's say, out of the League Cup, but after a decent run, FA Cup mm -hmm. to start early in the new year against Preston and then Champions League, top of the group, but Bayern Munich to come come February. Mm -hmm. If we bear all of that in mind, where would you assess where the club stands? I think it's been a pretty good year overall. Um, you know, I think there's too much of an expectation of instant success nowadays. I think you have to be realistic and understand what you're up against and you know, realise that it's all about progress. And I think Arsenal have made progress as a club in 2016. One thing that I don't think there's been anywhere near enough credit for, Russ, 
Arsenal last season had their highest finish in the Premier League for 11 years. And people were very critical and saying, oh, but the chance was there to win the title because of the way it did go. Well, in a sense, yes, it was there because none of the other big clubs fired. But then again, Arsenal came closer to doing it than any of those other big clubs. And also, I think that's a bit disrespectful to Leicester City. Who Arsenal beat home and away, we shouldn't forget as well. Absolutely. It's a point I make regularly. Leicester lost three league matches last season. Two of them were against Arsenal. Um, you know, and they did win it by 10 points in the end. It's not like they scraped over the line. Yes, it was disappointing in the end. You think of the day we beat Leicester in February, um, you know, and Welbeck's goal. Just one of my favourite Arsenal moments, actually, that day. And it didn't really go on from there. But to still finish second at the end of the season, I still thought was an excellent achievement. I thought they showed good character in digging it out in the Champions League, finishing top of the group, albeit that maybe it counted against them in the end. Um, but, you know, Okay, so we've had a couple of setbacks against Everton and Man City recently. Still only lost three league matches so far this season. I think that's pretty good going. And, you know, we're looking at a season where Chelsea have an unbelievable points total for this stage. So it's going to be very, very hard to uh, to keep up with that. And, you know, a point I would make, people are trying to write Arsenal out of the title race. They're two points behind Manchester City. I don't see anybody writing them out of the title race at all. So it's going to be a long way back, I think. Uh, Mustafi has come on a lot. Uh, I think he's been uh, been very encouraging in the season so far. Sanchez has just been fantastic. I mean, has there been a better player in the Premier League so far this season? I think Ozil has shown some uh, some wonderful uh, signs in the first half of the season. I think things are in pretty good shape. Uh, is it going to be a title-winning year at this stage? You would have to say the odds are very much against it. But at least they're still in contention for that. And uh, as you say, up against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. But you know what? I would give Arsenal a much better chance against Bayern uh, in the, the, the tie that's coming up now uh, over the next couple of months than I think they perhaps had uh, going in in previous seasons against them. So yes, we've done Bayern, but you know what? Point I made before, 10 years ago, well, 11 years ago now, the season we got to the final. We played Real Madrid in the last 16, played Juventus in the quarterfinal. So sometimes it's not always about getting the easy draw. And uh, hopefully that'll be the case this time. And Michael, just finally, five more games on paper in the Premier League in a row on the back of West Brom. They're certainly mm. winnable. You'd think probably something like a 15-point haul is going to be needed. We're previewing the yeah. Crystal Palace game next up in detail on the chalkboard, but it's also Bournemouth in the next few days as well. And game I covered, the 3-1 win at Emirates Stadium. This is the return fixture, if you like, and a lot to consider. Obviously, Jack Wilshere not playing, but on loan at one from the other. Eddie Howe, you know, one day could he be at Emirates Stadium? He's certainly mm. the kind of boss that, that Arsenal fans in the hierarchy admire I like the affinity between these clubs and I'm looking forward to this game as well Yeah I mean Bournemouth you know, they're doing that sort of classic thing now they came into the Premier League they consolidated managed to stay up now they're building on that a bit and you know they're seen now as a pretty good side obviously Wilshire okay, he's not technically a Bournemouth player but he's been very good for them Harry Arter uh, who's actually part of our national team in Ireland uh, you know he's been very impressive as well and I think they're kind of probably the most liked club in the Premier League, if you know what I mean, at the moment. You know, obviously everyone's got their own team, but I think everyone kind of likes to see Bournemouth have come up. It's not been a case of throwing massive amounts of money at it. You know, they're there on their merits. I think, how could you not like Eddie Howe? Um, so I think they're, they're very much a side that everyone uh, that everyone likes and warms to. But of course, when you're up against them, uh, you, want to, you want to beat them. But they're, they're very, you know, uh, they're a very difficult side to beat now. I mean, I think the highlight of their season was probably the, uh, the Liverpool match. <laughs> Uh, coming from three one down to win that, um, so yeah, very you know competitive side now. Great manager, and I do agree with you. I would love to see Eddie Howe 
as Arsenal manager someday, if he is the right man for the job at the time. I think he's just the sort of character who I think would be a worthy successor uh, to the man who, as you know, I'm a huge admirer of, the current manager of Mr. Wenger. Uh, so maybe that'll be one day. But I'm certainly hoping the day that that vacancy arises, Russ, is still some way off yet. Michael, your thoughts on that and everything else, much appreciated. And I wish you and your family uh, a very happy and prosperous and hopefully a life-changing 2017 in a very positive sense. And the same to you, Ross. All the best. In 2011, midfielder Aaron Ramsey became Wales's youngest ever. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. The captain is our conversation with him, remembering that incredibly special appointment. The captaincy is what we're talking about. Tell us how it happened, who told you a phone call, set us up. Yeah, I got told by Gary Speed. He uh, named me the Welsh captain and... I got called down to the uh, down to reception in the foyer, and you know he broke broke the news to me there. But you know it was an amazing um, amazing moment in my career to be named a captain of Wales at such a young age, and to have that belief um, from him, you know, who's achieved so much in his career and um, was a centre midfielder as well like myself. So he believed in me that I was. A uh, big enough player to to carry that and and handle that pressure. Is it? Do they ask you or do they tell you what happened? No, he asked me. He uh, he said, "Are you ready to be captain?" And uh, yeah, I was I was buzzing with it and sort of taken um, taken by surprise. It took me by surprise the when he asked me. But yeah, I was uh, I was quick to reply. Of course, I will. I was a bit taken by the the question, you know, because I was only 20 years old. So, uh, you know, not many 20-year-olds captain their country. And um, and yeah, as soon as he, he asked me that, I was sort of taken by it. So it took me a couple of seconds to sort of digest it. But then, you know, I was quickly, uh, quickly uh, replied, yes, of course I will. What's the story of the news? Do you have to keep it a secret? 
do you call your folks straight away? Like, what's the process? Yeah, I called my family straight away. I told them. Um, yeah, I didn't. I think we had a, if I can remember rightly, I think we had a press conference pretty soon after that. So maybe it was that afternoon or the next day where it was announced. So uh, yeah, that was a pretty nerve-wracking experience as well. But um, but yeah, it came up pretty soon after it. What's the next bit of the process? So do you go into the dressing room, say, hi, I'm Aaron Ramsey, I'm your new captain. Does the gaffer tell them? Do you then give a speech? Like, t talk us through that. No, yeah, the gaffer um, announced there in, in our meeting that we had that the afternoon. So, uh, so it was out there and um, yeah, and there was a few of the boys who were uh, a bit taken by surprise by it as well. So. Uh, um, but no, I was. I didn't. I didn't make any speech or anything. And um, but no, it was a great. It was a great moment for me. And um, yeah, I'm very thankful for for given that opportunity by him. Last one. You captain your country. You walk out against England's your first game as captain. Does anything compare to that? And does just thinking about it still send a shiver down your spine? Yeah, still obviously stepping out in in front of you know in front of the Millennium Stadium, 72,000 people, you know, um, against England was just an amazing experience. And, and to walk out as captain in your country was uh, something that I will treasure forever. And um, yeah, it was another nervous moment for me, you know, I, uh, you know, I was lining up against John Terry, um, who had obviously been there for many years and, um, and knows what it's all about to be captain. and. There's me, captain of my country the first time was a bit sheepish walking out. And, um, but no, it was a great experience and one that I'm proud of and my family will be proud of. And it's Adams, put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, look, It's up for grabs now. On the 28th of December 1939, Frank McClintock was born in Glasgow. Frank joined the Gunners from Leicester City in 1964 and went on to captain the club to their first double in the 1971 season. Here's McClintock's memories of clinching the double at Wembley against Liverpool. It was a blistering hot day that day, wasn't it? No, I think it was 100,000 people at Wembley then. And I'd been beaten in four previous cup finals four times. And then we went behind to Steve Highby's goal. And I thought, here we go again. I thought, I'm a jinx here, you know? Um, but we rallied back. And considering the amount of games we played, and we played with, I think it was 16 players that year to win the double. And myself, George Armstrong and Bob Wilson played in every single game. And I was saying to Martin earlier, with the three international matches and the pre-season games, we played about 75 games that year. And it was 90 minutes you used to play in those days. You know, you didn't just, and if you're up 2-0, you come off for 15 minutes. You stayed on the pitch for 90 minutes, nine times out of 10. So all those conditions there, and yet we still managed to beat Liverpool, who under Shankly, Shankly always, wonderful manager as everybody knows, and he inspired teams, and he always said that Liverpool were the fittest team in the land. Well, we actually went to extra time after all those games. Coming from behind, Leeds were always up there and managed to beat them at the end and then do it again the Saturday. 
It was unbelievable. In total, Frank played 403 times for the Arsenal, scoring 32 goals in the process. He won a league title, an FA Cup and a Fairs Cup as well. We'll have another history lesson next week. But now it's time to look ahead to some New Year's fixtures. Crystal Palace and Bournemouth both up. Here's Adrian Clark. The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. So Adrian Clark joins me at the Chalkboard. Clarky, season's greetings and all of that. Uh, been good, I trust? Very good, yeah, thank you. Yeah, had a lovely time. And um, yeah, it was set off by a, quite a nice win on Boxing Day. I think that put put me in a nice uh, festive mood. I think then the team really, well, they richly deserve that victory over West Brom. And yeah, we're looking forward to what's hopefully going to be an exciting 2017 all the better that we were in the commentary box together to share that Giroud moment as well. I felt we bonded as well over that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was a classic moment. And I've got to say, Russ, classic commentary from your good self too. So. <laughs> just about picked myself off the floor. And I think the listeners have got their eardrums back. Just about. Um, Clarky, <laughs> let's kick off if we can with our, our festive question on the chalkboard this week as we prepare for New Year. Um, what is your favourite memory of the Christmas and New Year period as a player? Easy, really. Um, uh, the festive period was good to me as a player. That was when I got my first opportunities, really, to play in the first team. So my my first appearance in the fir- in the first team at Arsenal was on, actually on New Year's Eve, which obviously an unusual day for football. So um, that was against Queens Park Rangers, and uh, we lost that game. I came on as a late sub, um, but it was a, it was a cracking experience. And then the follow, I had to wait quite a long time for my first start which was the following Boxing Day. And again, it was against QPR. Uh, Boxing Day 95, we won 3-0. I started, I didn't know I was going to start until a couple of minutes, well, a couple of hours before kickoff. Um, I'd ate a fair bit on Christmas Day, if memory serves me rightly. I just totally didn't expect to be playing. Um, I probably had a couple of glasses of wine as well. But it all went really well. It was a fantastic game. It was arguably my best sort of performance in the Arsenal first team. So um, got man of the match in some quarters for the, for that one. So, um, so, yeah, happy memories of Boxing Day against QPR. Excellent stuff. Now, Adrian, of course, we've got this double game week, but it's Crystal Palace who are next up. And it's a very important match, isn't it? Particularly in light of Giroud's goal, momentum back, we hope, into Arsenal's title challenge. That was vital, mm-hmm. but it's got to be built on. It has. Well, everybody else seems to be winning as well, don't they? So that cranks up the pressure even more. But but yeah, no, it's, it's vital. I think Arsenal would have looked at these two home games over the Christmas period and thought six points. It has to be. Um, worked hard for the three against West Bromwich Albion. I, I did think that they richly deserved it. The second half was much more like it, played with good appetite. And uh, yeah, it, you just want to see a continuation of that against Palace. Six points. Obviously, the game's come thick and fast with Bournemouth to follow. Um, but yeah, you, you can't really afford certainly any defeats at this stage. But you don't really want to be dropping points with, with home draws against teams you're expected to win. So yeah, pressure's on the players. But I think they would have been lifted by their own performance against the Baggies. So so yeah, more of the same will do nicely. We might be able to try at least to draw an analogy between a Tony Pulis West Brom and a now Sam Allardyce-inspired Crystal Palace in terms of their perhaps quite robust approach to the game and maybe quite tight approach as well. You'd have thought so. Yeah, Sam Allardyce is is that type of manager um, who will put organisation over flair to some degree. Um, in, in many respects, it's a shame for Arsenal that they've made the change because Alan Pardew 
I think he's undoing actually was the fact that he wants to be known as an attack-minded manager and he changed the style of play at Palace this season, made them much more open. And I think that really would have suited Arsenal in this fixture. Sam Allardyce will have drilled his players to within an inch of their lives over the, over the Christmas period now that he had a good chance to work with the players. So yeah, expect you know, four at the back, but it'll be six at times with the wingers tracking back, with the two central midfielders limiting the space between the lines. They're not going to be especially expansive, but they do have threats on the break, Palace, you know, in, in, in Zahar and Townsend especially. So, so yeah, it, that, expect a counter-attacking game from Palace and, and expect Arsenal to dominate the ball again. What do we expect from this Palace team in terms of one or two of the individuals, then, Clark? Obviously, we don't have the lineup clearly as yet, but mm. Allardyce has tweaked one or two things tactically, obviously, and on the training ground. But mm. he'll look to make one or two changes, I feel, in terms of the team he's got, which he'll then try and enhance squad-wise over the January window. Yeah, he's going to, he's going to try and spend a few quid, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think they're depleted at the moment. Crystal Palace, Damien Delaney, he's suspended. He picked up a booking, so he's out. And James Tompkins, the other centre-half, is injured as well. So they've got an issue there, which could potentially be good news for Arsenal. Um, you've got um, Martin Kelly that can perhaps switch in from full-back to play centre-half alongside Scott Dan. So that's something to look out for, and I think that will give Arsenal a good chance going down the middle with a new central defensive partnership. But yeah, look, they've got talent. They've got good wingers, haven't they? That's, that's the thing you think of with Crystal Palace. You've got Zaha, Townsend... You've also got Jason Punchin, who can play out wide. He delivers good crosses. So um, they are the guys I, I think that Arsene Wenger will be most wary of in this game. They've also got a fella in centre midfield by the name of Flamini. I wonder if he'll play in this one. So uh, be interesting to see if he gets the nod. He did start the last match, came off match of Flamini. Um, and it'll be nice to have a reunion at Emirates. Yes, I think from what we've been reading, he might be moving on in the January window back to France or Italy. But as you say, whether he's got a last day in the sun against his old team, who knows? Um, should quickly mention someone like Christian Benteke. Again, they've mm. got depleted options up front, funnily enough, and maybe trying to bring in maybe a Jermaine Defoe. Who knows, according to the papers. But Benteke is their man up front for now, isn't he? And he's, a good, he's a good man to have up front. I think he has been fairly successful. I know he missed the penalty in the last game, but I think he settled in quite nicely at Selhurst Park. Cost a lot of money, but he will score your goals. Christian Benteke, he's, he's a difficult player to handle. Arsenal know that. They've had, they've had good and bad days against Christian Benteke. I think Koscielny will feel fairly comfortable handling him. He, 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 I remember in the FA Cup final against Aston Villa, didn't give Benteke a sniff. So, um, and, and perhaps on an away game where um, they're not going to see a lot of the ball and they're going to play on the counter, Benteke will have to get through a fair bit of work that he maybe doesn't want to. Cause he's, not, he's a big lump, isn't he, Christian Benteke? Not the most mobile. But if Palace can get themselves up the pitch, get themselves into the final third, they won't hesitate to put crosses into the box. I think they're among the most prolific crosses in the entire division. So they will, at every opportunity, swing the ball into the box and this, when you've got Benteke lurking inside the area, you, you can never really rest easy. So I think Benteke presents a real threat. The key, I think, is to stop the crosses coming into the box. Arsenal have got to work hard to ensure that they're kept to a minimum. So, Clark, you are a couple of traditional questions to finish mm. the chalkboard. What is your key head-to-head battle? 
I'm looking down the wing and I'm looking at two players that are having really good seasons uh, and that's Wilfred Zaha and Hector Bellerin. I think, personally, well, I believe that Wilfred Zaha is better on the right wing where he'd come up against Gibbs or Monreal. Um, but he switched things over, Sam Allardyce, in the last game, put Townsend on the right and Wilfred Zaha on the left, um, where I don't think he's as comfortable. But he's a top player, he's having a good season and... Uh, that's going to be a pace battle, isn't it? <laughs> really, really get excited about. I think Hector will look to push him the other way. He's going to drive up the pitch and hopefully get Zaha doing plenty of defending. But when Zaha is breaking, doing those little tricks that he loves to do, then, then Hector needs to concentrate really hard. So that's, that's, a, that's an intriguing duel to look out for in this game. And how do you beat Crystal Palace? <laughs> I think you beat Crystal Palace by A, handling the crosses that they put into the box and B, playing with urgency. We saw how good Arsenal can be when they play with urgency in the second half against West Bromwich Albion. I think they'll repeat of that and they'll be too good for the Eagles. Well, Clarkie, we look forward to, of course, watching you on the Matchday show ahead of the Bournemouth game on Arsenal.com. And uh, yeah, it's a big couple of games ahead, isn't it, as we were discussing earlier in the show? Definitely, yeah. yeah we want... Another six points for the next two games. And then I think we can really look forward to, to a genuine title challenge in 2017. I think they're exciting times to come. Glocky, happy new year. Yeah, and to you, mate. I see you. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Aaron Ramsey, to Michael McMullen and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, leaving us a five-star review in the process. You can find us on Acast as well, so you've got no excuse to ever miss another episode. We're back on Wednesday, the 4th of January. And until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gunners. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.